Welcome back to Thinking About It. I'm Pastor Bob McGregor from Grandview Church, and I'm Stan Fowler from Grandview Church. Uh, Stan is also a theological professor at uh, Heritage, and we are grateful that uh, he has two hats to wear, and uh, he is uh, the key uh, teacher, if we can use that term, in this podcast. I'm just window dressing, but he's the one that we want to hear. And so, on, we're, Stan, we, we got cut off a little bit last time because we got carried away in this whole conversation about gathering because of the circumstances right now. Nobody's gathering in church in the usual way. Um, but we want to revisit that and talk about an aspect of our gathering, um, the, the music piece. I'm going to read from Ephesians where uh, Paul gives some instructions to the gathering. He says, uh, don't be foolish, understand what the Lord's will is, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Stan, let's, what does that mean? Well, that's a really fascinating text. I mean, to think that Paul's comment about being filled with the Spirit leads immediately to talking about speaking to one another in, in the music that we sing when we're together. He, he, act, he says a, much the same thing in Colossians 3. I mean, Ephesians and Colossians are very similar epistles. And in Colossians 3, he connects the psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to teaching and admonishing one another. So that fills out a bit of the speaking to one another. And yet it's really striking, isn't it, that in Ephesians 5, you have both the vertical focus of our musical offering of praise, you're speaking to God, but you also have the horizontal focus, focus mm-hmm. we're speaking to one another. And and it's a way of reminding us that when we're together and we are we're singing praise to God, uh when when we're declaring uh the gospel in song, when we're confessing our sins or our needs in song, we are we are reminding one another about that truth. What on earth does that look like confessing our sins in song? Well, if you have the right lyrics in the song, then then you're admitting uh, that you're a sinner. As in, say, Amazing Grace that saved a wretch like me. Oh, I see. Or um, uh, It is well with my soul and, and uh, my sins that we express. Talk about them. Oddly, the glorious thought comes up near the sins, but the glorious thought yeah. is yeah. Our, our sins, not in part, but the whole, have been nailed to the cross. Right. So we're admitting our sin, but affirming the, the answer to our sin in the, in the vicarious atoning work of Christ. So would that be proclaiming the gospel in music where, where we sing about that fact that our sins have been nailed to the cross? Well, it would be, indeed. And then, of course, when, when we sing songs that directly talk about the atoning work of Christ, his resurrection from the dead, 
his return in glory. We are, we're, we're declaring to God that we believe that, but we're also declaring to one another that we believe that. And, and, and that, I think, that ties into the Hebrews 10 text that we were talking about last, last time around. Namely, a part of gathering is, is to enable one another to persevere in our faith commitment and to draw near to God. And, and to do that, we need the reminder that we aren't alone. We are, I'm not the only person in the world who believes this. There are these multiple others around me who believe it as well. And as, as I hear them singing, as I see them singing those truths, and I think these people really believe that, that has an impact on me. Okay, so the idea that we have an audience of one, uh, my, my worship is just me and God, I'm singing to God, making joyful noise to the Lord. Um, you're saying that, and you said this before, that there's a horizontal aspect, that we're actually saying something to each other. I think that's crucial. I mean, if I'm singing in the shower, that's between me and the Lord. Amen. But when, when I'm in this room with hundreds of other people, it's not just between me and the Lord. This is between us and the Lord. And we are together um, affirming what is true about God and Christ and the gospel and our experience of that. And that's crucial. You know, music is art and musicians are artists and we gather together we have a stage we have everything and there's sometimes there's a concert feel that i'm listening to beautiful music and there's nothing wrong with listening to beautiful music but every once in a while and i'm not saying do this all the time but we unplug all that and it's an acapella song and you hear more than than ever voices human voices that are singing and i've i've never heard that but that i haven't had shivers up my spine and there are people in the auditorium who don't sing that well and it doesn't matter it's so moving i feel connected and we're affirming something as as someone has said i know mark dover said it maybe somebody else said it first the, the most beautiful sound in in uh, corporate worship music is the human voice. I, now, I've discovered that, um, let's say, if, if it's a Sunday when I'm, when I'm preaching, and so I'm sitting down at the front, I can hear voices coming from behind me. So, by the way, that's a good reason for sitting near the front, folks. You might think about that. Amen. You, you can hear the other voices. And I appreciate a, um, a worship center like ours that is arc-shaped. So... When we are together, we see more than the backs of other persons' heads. Mm -hmm. So we recognize we really are in this together. I also think, related to that, not, not only are believers speaking to one another as well as to God, I, I, my experience would say one of the powerful ways that Christian corporate worship can have an evangelistic impact on unbelievers present is when the unbelievers see and hear the believers singing and they think, these people really believe this. Yeah. That's a powerful impact. I'm, I'm, I'm confident that's much more important than the style of the music somehow fitting yeah. the experience of the unbeliever. Yeah. 
you know, it reminds me of that uh, that bit that that you've read, where <coughs> an atheist was going to hear George Whitfield preach, and someone said, "Where are you going? I'm going to hear George Whitfield." But you're an atheist. You don't believe that stuff. Yeah, but he does. But he does. <laughs> and uh, there's just something compelling about listening to someone who's passionate about anything, in particular about God. It it is attractive. And I think, as you said uh, a minute ago, to to actually hear those voices, yeah, even talking about it, is sending chills up my spine. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it it's just a very crucial thing, and I'm and I'm grateful for the work that our music worship leaders here do. And I I I don't think it has a concert feel. Um, I I mean. Dealing with audio is is always difficult, I know, but I don't generally feel that that the people are overpowered by the by the sound and the technology. But it's always a challenge uh, to deal with that. Um, let me just. I hope I didn't say that it is a concert feel, but I think sometimes when people come into this place, they bring the, this. Is, looks like a concert to me. This I'm going to go into a concert mode. And um, it's it's kind of on them. Sometimes I think a church service can actually feed into that wrongly. It can. But yes. people who come here, uh, I think, know what we're talking about, that uh, there is an engaging in worship. But every once in a while, Stan, uh, the worship team will tell me that there are people who just aren't singing. And they got their arms <laughs> crossed or, or, I don't know, they hate the song or something. And uh, it it just it's very difficult to lead worship when... You, you see that kind of thing. Well, it is, and and I I, I doubt that there's a simple solution to it. I mean, there are lots of things going on. We we do have to make sure, I think, that that the songs we sing are group singable. Yeah, I I, I can remember a time decades ago when I was a pastor in Toronto. It was a Sunday evening service actually, and and we were letting people choose favorites mm-hmm. that we would all sing. Let's go back to the old days of mm-hmm. evening services. They all knew their numbers, too. They, they did. They did. And, and in one of those services, we, we actually had a, um, um, we had a hymn book, and then we had a separate contemporary songbook in the rack. And so this one time, one, one dear sister requested a song from that that was, it was simply a solo song. There was no way that we as a group could really sing it. And so I had to do the nasty thing of saying, you know, that's a great song in many ways, but it's a performance song. Yeah. And and if we try that, we're just going to stumble, and and it's really not going to be very helpful. So we always have to be alert to that. Uh, so they need to be group singable, and but but we also need to exhort people. Mm-hmm. We need to remind people. Um, think of Ephesians five. Think of Colossians three. What it, what filling of the spirit naturally leads to, um, perhaps occasionally remind people of the power of music to engage the whole person, the intellect and the emotion, and and the will. I mean, music captures our passions, mm-hmm. our emotions, mm-hmm. in a way that speaking doesn't. I mean, I, I, um, I'm not incredibly emotional. That's kind of an understatement, actually. I'm I'm very phlegmatic. Yeah, but you love roller coasters. I do love roller coasters. 
But I also love the Lord and truth about the Lord. And, and yet, speaking the truth almost never chokes me up. Singing the truth yeah. sometimes does. Yeah. It, it really grabs my heart in a way that merely uh, saying the words and speaking the truth doesn't. And people need to be helped to understand that. Of course, we don't, where else in our society today do people sing together? It's not a, it's not a common thing. And, and so there's a bit of a challenge to get people engaged. But, but I think yeah. it, it's, that's a challenge we ought to take up and try to help people Amen. get engaged. Not by <clears throat> shaming them, you know, not by putting a, a false kind of guilt trip on them, but by helping them understand here's a way to express truth. Hey, w- to one the more Lord. thing, because we're just almost out of time. Yeah. But can singing not simply remind us of the gospel message per se, but can it also be catechetical? Oh, sure. Especially when, when I mean, many songs are, are, um, are much more didactic, They're, they are declaring truth about the gospel, truth about a Christian life that, that we need to understand. Now, in the contemporary music mode, you know, not all composers, not all songwriters lean as much in that direction. Mm-hmm. Just as a little commercial, that's one of the reasons why I really like the Gettys mm-hmm. music, because it's, it's, it, it's contemporary feel and group singable and, and has solid content. I've been tempted from time to time to take such a song like that and use it as an outline for a sermon, um, making sure that I'm faithful to the biblical text, but to show people what a really good hymn can do for you. Well, Stan, 15 minutes has gone by. Maybe we can think of a podcast that goes beyond 15 minutes, but uh, for now, it's a 15-minute podcast, so we need to say goodbye to our friends, and hopefully they'll tune in uh, next week at this time and join us as we continue to think about it. I'm Bob McGregor. And I'm Stan Fowler, and sometime we'll meet together again. Hopefully soon. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 